this is the Frondus Dumb. I am the Coco Cinephile Critic, and I'm here to discuss several movies. I'm going to talk about films about the death penalty, uh, Clemency, I Want to Live, uh, 1958 movie starring uh, Susan Hayward, Clemency starring Alfred Woodard, uh, the, uh, Just, uh, the Green Mile with Tom Hanks, Michael Clark Duncan, and uh, James Cromwell, and Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan, Jimmy Fox, and Brie Larson. So without further ado, let's talk about, oh, oh yes, and I just don't, don't want to forget the Oscar predictions. I, I'm going to do the Oscar predictions. I decided I didn't want to talk about it last week, but if there is a chance of the Oscars, I very much want to talk about who's going to be nominated. And today I'll be talking about Best Picture, uh, Best Actress, and Best Supporting Actress, so who is in the top ten, and the pluses and the minuses of each potential nominee. So, let's start with uh, the first review, Clemency. And that film stars Alfie Water as a prison warden who oversees uh, death of inmates and some that were guilty, some that were not. And Alfie Water's character's name is Bernadine Williams, a prison warden. And she has seen executions of men uh, uh, a lot of times during her years as a prison warden. She is married, I believe has no children, and her husband is a teacher who wants her to retire. But uh, Burdendine is someone who, uh, I don't even say she loves her job, but she feels that it's an obligation for her to pursue this line of work. There's a need and she's going to fill it. One of the client, uh, death row inmates is going to be sent to prison is uh, a prisoner. His name is Anthony. And uh, he's accused of murder. Uh, he's accused of a crime, and even though there is evidence uh, that contradicts the certainty of his guilt. There are a lot of holes in the case. Uh, but despite this, he is put on death row and is sentenced to death. The film is about her struggles dealing with the fact that this person may be innocent and also jeopardizing her marriage. Uh, Jonathan Williams plays her husband, played by Wendell Pierce. And uh, it's something that she struggles with that her marriage and her moral conscience is at risk as she struggles to find ways to uh, reconcile something that that he very well may not have done it and uh, the film was directed by Shinawa Chunawe, uh, African lady. Uh, she also wrote the script. 
And the standouts of this film are what Bernadine describes to Anthony, the definitely make, what will happen as execution. Anthony's reaction is silence. His facial reaction is absolutely devastating. Another memorable scene was when Anthony looks at all the pictures in his cell, pictures from his past, and he has a, a mental breakdown and lashes out uh, and puts harm on himself and physically hurts himself by banging his head into a prison cell wall. Security comes in the hospital and uh, comes in and goes sent to the hospital where he injured himself. Another scene that stands out to me is Jonathan surprises Bernadine for their wedding, wedding anniversary. Not Jonathan, I'm sorry, but the, yeah, it is Jonathan, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the character's name. It's, uh, they try to get romantic with each other, and when he talks about both of them retiring, they argue. Bernadine does not want to retire. She has no desire to retire, and that's a conflict that causes a threat to their marriage. Now, Thomas is a, a, another prison warden at the, at the prison, the character, practices a procedure of executing as a, as a guinea pig. And Logan, uh, another policeman, leaves for the, for the distress of the, of the situation. Bernie talks to David, uh, uh, David, a chaplain. Uh, Bernie asks Chaplain to talk to him about the difficulty of his job as a chaplain and how he deals with it. And uh, he says that most inmates aren't religious, but he tries to comfort them during their time of need. And there are a few who do listen and do see a better way of life. Uh, hopefully for themselves in the afterlife if they ask for forgiveness. Anthony is visited by his ex-girlfriend and she explains the relationship that she has with her uh, with him and their son and uh, the, the reason that how she dealt with the situation with Anthony being in prison and how that affected their son. It's a very deeply touching and very moving moment. And uh, it's something that uh, is one of the best highlights of the film. And uh, I think that the, the, the writing and direction are very strong, even though the direction at times can be at a snail's pace. There's no musical score to the picture. I kind of think that maybe it, it added a little bit more music to it. There would have been more emotional potency to the, the whole uh, motion picture narrative. Uh, but uh, Alfred Wood does give a great performance, especially the last scenes of the movie, uh, where a character goes through facial transformations of what she witnesses. And uh, those scenes, is one of the very best scenes of the film. Her face lingers on for minutes at a time 
you see her pain, you see her anguish, and uh, uh, the crisis that she comes to uh, comes to terms with towards the end of the film. Will will Anthony will he get a reprieve? Will he get clemency? That's the that's the title of the film, clemency. And uh, and Elvis Hodge, he does give a very strong performance as Anthony with his facial expressions of angst, desperation, sadness, fear are all implemented in a great performance. And Aldous Hodge's performance, Matthew Porter's performances, remind you that this is a silent film. Uh, lack of verbal dialogue is necessary because the facial expressions that they give over the course of the films, especially in key scenes, are very moving and very, very powerful. That this mostly usually see in earlier uh, silent films before they went to talking. Uh, and uh, my grade for clemency, I give it a B plus. I think the pacing could have been asked up a little bit. But overall, uh, great performances and the great chemistry that Alfie Wood has with her uh, movie screen husband played by Wendell Pierce gives it a very solid recommendation of a grade of B plus. And so that is it talking about clemency. My first film about the death penalty. The second one is I Want to Live. Now this is an old 1958 film starring Susan Hayward. Uh, she plays a hooker who gets arrested at a sailor's party. And then oh, she goes to, a, spends a year in jail for covering for uh, guy for perjury and after a while she gets tired of scheming and manipulating people so she wants to be a stay-at-home uh, mother her, her husband though is a junkie he's a drug addict and but also she also even before she retires she gambles to earn a living but uh, It is uh, it's a story, it's a case of Barbara Graham, that's the character's name, who was sentenced to death by the gas chamber. And there are two lawyers, uh, the second lawyer tries to get a clemency, a reprieve of her, of her case. And uh, there's a writer who uh, oversees uh, the, the first, uh, the the journalist, uh, we very much uh, uh, think she's guilty. But after talking to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist proclaims that she may be a lot of things, but murder isn't one of them. So the journalist tries to see her in a sympathetic light, write stories about her in a positive light as one appeal gets denied over and over again by by the Supreme Court to the, the state uh, the state Supreme Court and 
there are several scenes that uh, that really do stand out. Um, they try to. She rejects lie detector test, but now she can't get a lie detector test. Police officers, and she has a friend. She has a son who is being taken care of by a friend of hers. And, um, and the film is about uh, will her life be spared? Will her life be spared? Will she li will live? And um, there are several scenes that I think are very powerful about where she goes to confession to confess her sins. And I believe that Susan Hayward in real life has converted to Catholicism. And she talks to the prisoners. Another scene that stands out where Barbara Brown wears inappropriate sleepwear when she goes to the, one of the many jails that she was transferred to as her lawyers attempts to uh, for them to spare her life. There's a scene about that. Another scene is where she, Barbara Bear, meets her son and she, this is her son and she embraces her son and a medieval reporter asked uh, what it would be like for you know, being on death row with your son Set for obvious reasons, tells you how cold and cruel the the press can be, or is the press cruel because of her being a good time girl? And um, I think she's the first woman ever to be executed. If she, well, the film is was being attempted to be executed. They also go over the procedures and how the execution, if it happens, takes place. And um, and there's a testimony, oh, uh, by an uh, an attorney, not an attorney, but uh, a prisoner, uh, a female prisoner, talks to Barbara Bram about giving her an alibi and uh, she goes and talks to the alibi and what happens is not what she expects. The alibi is something that leads her into deeper and deeper trouble and uh, and the film is basically about her about her life will her life be spared will, uh, will her life uh, will she ever will be a mother to her son think that if the film comes at a very fast pace, especially in the beginning of the film of her life story, I think Barbara, uh, uh, Susan Hayward, not Barbara, but Susan Hayward is really good, even though at times she's overly theatrical in her acting at times. Uh, uh, the film's direction, though, is the best scene of the film. 
there's certain tension that builds up to whether she gets executed or not is directed with great tension and uh, it's also great with ed great ed editing by the filmmakers and the director Robert Wise who will let him direct uh, Sound of Music and West Side Story. He's a wonderful director and the suspense keeps building to a fever pitch and, uh, and I think it's I think for one of the first films that deal with the death penalty and the first one to deal with a woman who may be put to death in the, the gas chamber. And, um, and I think the grade that I will give I Want to Live is a B plus. I think it's a very solid film about the death penalty. Overall, really good performance by Susan Hayward. And uh, I think it's uh, also telling how corrupt uh, the judicial system is. You would think it would be corrupt towards, be a disadvantage towards a different organ, but against women as well too, as you see in this film. So the grade is B plus, and the next film I'm going to discuss about the death penalty is The Green Mile. Um, Tom Hanks stars as, uh, Prison Warden and uh, Paul Edgecombe, played by Tom Hanks. And he oversees several inmates who are on death row. One played by Michael Jeter, one played by uh, Sam Rockwell. And there are two other prison wardens, one by David Morse and another one by Paul Hutchinson who seems to want to be a bully, who really rubs the other prison wardens the wrong way, who has a, a, a temper and wants to inflict pain and suffering toward the other inmates. And there is another inmate, a simple-minded one, played by John, uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Uh, now, Michael Clark Duncan is a big, big, Gentle Giant. Uh, his name is John Coffee, and, and what it's like, his character says he's like the coffee, how you spell it, but it's spelled differently. Yeah, and, um, and he plays a character uh, who is accused of murdering two girls, and is sentenced on death row. But he has mysterious powers. So, uh, so mysterious that it helps to cure a bladder infection from Paul Edgecombe, Tom Hanks's character. And uh, the film is about him and, uh, and his friendship and how he helps the, uh, the people of his life, uh, his friends, his co-workers, and, uh, and how they all come together and maybe try to find ways for John Coffey to escape, to prove his innocence. And uh, there are uh, many, many uh, great scenes in, in, the great, in the Green Mile. One of the many is when uh, Paul Edgecombe wakes up in the middle of the night with intense pain from his urinary tract infection 
he goes out outside and he passes out. And another great scene is when one of the wardens is attacked by a new prisoner, uh, a really vile and ugly individual. You kind of see demons all around him, a uh, very sick, de depraved individual. And, uh, and uh, Nash Powers, they heal Paul and, and uh, helps others dealing with uh, uh, a friend of Paul's whose wife is sick. Her sickness, or well, uh, John Coffey's great powers, magical gifts, help heal uh, uh, a boss's wife who is suffering from a brain tumor. Yeah, the warden's teachers, another great scene, a prisoner, teach a prisoner a lesson for having an accident on his clothes. Uh, one of the wardens, not Tom Hanks' character, another character. And uh, there's one horrific scene where there's an execution that goes wrong, and Doug Hutchison's character makes one chooses not to do something to an inmate, which leads to the most gruesome electrocution by one of the members that is ever put on film. It is truly graphic and truly disturbing. And uh, another scene that I like is when Paul talks to Coffey's defense attorney about the case. Gary Sinise plays uh, the defense attorney who defended him but felt that he was guilty of a crime. Now Paul, Tom Hanks' character, believes that someone with so many powers of healing that he has, he doesn't feel that he is guilty of a crime. He don't believe it. And uh, and uh, I think uh, David Morris and Barry Pepper play the other guards who uh, who work along with Tom Hanks's character. And I said earlier, Doug Hutchinson plays the bad guy, a bully, even though he's sh the shortest person of all of the wardens. He is someone who uh, has a great bitterness and anger and violence within him, and he takes it out on the, the inmates. And uh, uh, it's the film is written directed by Frank Darabont, who did the Shawshank Redemption, which I think Green Mile is a better film than Shawshank. I think that uh, it's three hours long. The link didn't bother me. I was totally entrenched with the storyline. Uh, for me, it was never a dull moment. And uh, I think Tom Hanks gives one of his very best performances as a man who is conflicted. Uh, he's dealing with a man who doesn't feel he's innocent, but he may have to execute, even though it's a crime that he feels that he didn't commit. And that's something that he, he struggles with during the a huge chunk of the film. And there's female characters, Paul, wife, played by Bonnie Hunt, and Patricia Clarkson, who plays Judge uh, 
James Cromwell, the, the boss's wife who was sick with a terminal illness. Uh, the women all represented well in the film. And uh, it's, it's a, a great, it, it's based on a novel by Stephen King, The Green Mile, and it's beautifully written. Uh, great poetry of thought and execution of the script. And, uh, and I think direction is very thoughtful and methodical and direct. And it, it does a very good job in trying to convey s sort of tension in the story. And, and the pacing is really good. And uh, the editing is well done. Uh, it gets to, it, it doesn't seem of a slower pace that it was with the earlier film, Clemency. Doesn't seem too fast paced like I, I Want to Live was either. So I think it, 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 the, the pacing is just right. And cinematography. Uh, how they direct the the scenes of, of the prison cells and uh, I think it's very well done. Let me see who did the cinematography. Sorry for the, I'm trying to find out the cinematography of the Green Mile. And um, let me see. The, the dialogue, let me see the dialogue. I'm, I'm trying to find out cinematography and it's not saying where I want. But anyway, the let me see. Maybe I can find it here. Maybe I got a better idea, Wikipedia. Yeah, cinematography by David Tattersall. It has a lot of great hues of gr dark green and uh, dark blue and sepia images with the cinematography within the prison cell and outside. Most of the film takes place uh, in, in, in the evening, in the dark. And the music by Thomas Newman is very beautiful. And I think uh, I think he was also nominated for Best Original Score for American Beauty. They both came out. I much prefer the score, his score for The Green Mile, even though I do love American Beauty. Um, the film is three hours and nine minutes. And uh, it has a great cast, as I said, Doug Hutchinson, Sam Rockwell, Barry Pepper. Jeffrey DeMum plays another warden. Michael Jeter plays uh, Delacroix. Uh, uh, a nerdy looking guy who's been executed uh, might on, on death row for a crime that he did commit and Harry Dean Stanton and uh, I think the film is great it's a wonderful film I like the film of, of the religious themes that they talk about over the course of the film a spiritual dimension that is deeply, deeply empathetic and very moving. And uh, and I think that I think the Green Mile did get a Best Picture nomination. I think I should have gotten more because I do think it was one of the best films in 1999. Now, 1999 was a great year for film. It really was one of the best of all time. And uh, my grade for the Green Mile is an A.
is for Remy Aston. Beautiful poetic empathetic script. Uh, adaptation and thoughtful pacing and directing that moves anything too slow, too methodical, or too fast, like the previous films that I've talked about today on uh, about the death penalty. And um, Michael Clark Duncan is wonderful as John Coffey, nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I wish he had won. <laughs> but he lost to Michael Caine for his side of house roles. So. A beautiful performance by Michael Clark Duncan. So the grade that I give is A for the Green Mile. And I have one more review to talk about. And that is Just Mercy. Now if I can get to my notes of Just Mercy. Yeah, and uh, this film is also a based on a true story like it was for I Want to Live. And it was a film directed by Dustin Creighton, who did Short Term 12, starred Michael B. Jordan as an attorney, Brian Stevenson. And Jamie Foxx plays Johnny D, or Walter McMillan, who is accused of a crime that he didn't commit, has his own business as a tree, a tree doctor. And, uh, but he is arrested and is sentenced to death and they're not leaving the trial. And uh, Brian Stevenson uh, tries to defend him and several other death row inmates. Graduated from Harvard. He, he is from Delaware, but he moves to Alabama because you know how racist it is and he tries to seek justice for the people of that state of Alabama. And, uh, Brie Larson plays Ava Ansley, someone who works uh, for the, that is his her uh, a second command, who helps him try to defend various cases for the black men and, and white men who are on death row. And uh, I, I think uh, one of the scenes that I like very much is when Brian Stevenson first talks to Johnny D. Doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in him because the previous lawyer said he don't, had nothing to worry about about the case and ended up getting the death penalty. But despite this, uh, Brian Stevenson goes to Johnny D's family, his wife and children, and family and friends, and says that he was very much innocent because they were at a French fry when the, all what happened to this 18-year-old uh, college student was murdered in 10.15 in the morning. Uh, a man, let me see, Ralph Myers, played by Tim Blake Nelson, he uh, confessed that he saw the crime, drove him to the crime scene, and uh, shot uh, the 18-year-old and but even though he wasn't there either, they were saying that he was being, they were, they were trying to say that, that Johnny D did it and he aided him. And the police uh, said they would give him a lighter sentence if he basically lied to the police. I mean, lied, uh, lied about Johnny D's whereabouts in order to get a lighter sentence. and. Uh, and the film is basically Brian Stevens' attempt to uh, 
to clear his name, and there is compelling evidence that comes up in Johnny B's def in his defense of his innocence. But despite this, there are a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of pushback from the police, from the district attorney, I believe, uh, from Walter Robert E. Lee, the prosecutor, district attorney, and he never he stops at nothing to trying to have him be convicted and ch being chose to be put to death. And he fights every step of the way Brian Stevenson's defense of Johnny B and get him off for murder. There's also another defendant that Brian Stevenson defends, and that's Herbert B. Richard. He's a Vietnam vet, suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, and he's put to death for putting a bomb on, or killing a, a young woman, even though he had mental illness issues. Unfortunately, because of lack of good uh, defense attorney from a previous attorney, he is sent to death, and it's also about him if he, his life will be preserved. And will he go to a mental health facility for his mental illness issues? His inmates are very supportive of him. And there is a moving scene where Jamie Foxx's character, Johnny B, calms uh, the character of Robert Herbert Lee Richardson because of his prospect of having been, having the, the possibility of being put to death. There are some pretty uh, uh, scenes that are you kind of taken aback by what you see and what you witness. And one of those scenes is where the police, I mean, Brian Stevenson goes to the jail cell to meet Johnny B for the first time, and the policeman wants him to strip down, even though he's an attorney overseeing this case. And he asks him to do several things, which I believe is very demeaning and against his civil rights, but we live in Alabama. <laughs> they have a very warped, uh, evil, warped view when it comes to race. Um, another scene uh, is when uh, there is a threat by, a uh, threat of violence by uh, Anna Ansley, Eva Ensley's character. Her house is, 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 is under siege, and it causes the family to vacate from their home. And the tension is, well, something is going to happen to the house, will it explode, will she stay on to the case? And uh, there's a conflict in that. And also, when Brian Stevens tries to find witnesses, to talk about the case and evidence of an alibi. There's a lot of rejections until there is one witness, but we don't know it'll be helpful or not until later on in the film. Now, Stevenson is stopped by a policeman at night at gunpoint, and uh, he talks to uh, the policeman, tries to reason with him, but, uh, but doing that is not a very, very good idea, <laughs> despite the his rights are being violated. Um, you're dealing with segregation and racist stuff. Now, this film takes place in 1992, 
and uh, Mary's husband is still alive and well in the South. It seemed like the living in the South, you go back 50 years, 50 years like living in the 1940s as opposed to in the 1990s during this time. There's also a scene where uh, Brian C. Houston asks for a retrial, and Myers testifies uh, in order for a new case, a new trial for Johnny B. And Myers' testimony is crucial is to will uh, Johnny, Brian C. Houston and Johnny D. Will, will receive justice. Will this testimony be the key to his innocence? Will he tell the truth? Will he uh, keep it a secret? Will he lie like he did in the first time? Will he hold on to his alibi? Will he, uh, I think that that's what the heart of the film is about. Uh, Johnny Mercer's attempt to try to defend Johnny B, will he defend him? Uh, will he tell the truth? And there's serious tension as to if he is going to tell the truth up on that, on that. And if he does, will that uh, be enough to persuade a judge to have a new trial? So there is a lot of tension in that sequence. And I think it's very well written, very well directed. The anticipation of Meyer's responses is filled with uh, enormous amounts of suspense and conviction. But Michael B. Jordan does a great job in as a defense attorney in these scenes, dealing with uh, Myers, Myers' character. And another heartbreaking scene that I'd like to talk about is Johnny D. was just going to his cell as he wrestles with the police and wrestles with them and gets into a, a, an altercation as Johnny D struggles to comprehend the events that's happened to him leading up to that point. And he also wonders, will he ever get the justice that he deserves? So it's a straightforward story. And I don't think it should really be, uh, it, it, it tells the story the way it, it's presented in the film and a very matter of fact story from beginning to end. It's a very deeply moving uh, movie. And Jamie Foxx gives a great performance in the film. Uh, it's been a while since Jamie Foxx has been an Oscar caliber uh, performance, but that was certainly one of her best supporting actor. His Johnny D is filled with great empathy. You have great empathy for his character and his struggles. His thoughtfulness, his quiet nature, his subtlety of, of, of emotion and the conflicts that he goes, goes through one character crisis after another with his life on the line. Jamie Foxx's character and, and Jamie Foxx's performance is filled with great empathy and compassion for him. The nuance of little subtle nuances of, of thought dialogue, how he gives comfort to the other inmates, and how humble, and how really a decent human being, 
Johnny B. Walter Goodmillan, his real name character is. Michael B. Jordan is strong and earnest as the district attorney. And Tim Blake Nelson plays a man who is guilty of a lot of things, but does he want to send an innocent man to kill for on a death penalty through his testimony? Well, we have a change of heart. And uh, they also, the, the, the character who plays the prosecutor, he is the villain. <laughs> yes, he is a villain, and he does a very good job playing the villain. And um, he's someone who cares more about his reputation as to learning about the truth of a, of a black man's innocence. And, uh, and Brie Larson, it, it, she has a thankless role as a supportive co-worker of Michael B. Jordan's character. Yeah, she, she's good. And, uh, but the heart of the film is the relationship between Brian Stevenson and Walter McMillan. And the, and Brian Stevenson, he not only has a great friendship with, uh, with Johnny B, but all of the people that he defends, he has a great empathetic relationship with. He's like family and, uh, to all of the people who he represents. And, uh, and also, I'd like to say the, the, the character played by Robert E. Lee, the prosecutor district attorney, is played by Rob Morgan. And uh, it, the, the movie's based on a book by Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson. It was turned into a film. And uh, I think it did very, did very well at the box office. If there is a, a flaw in the film, it's, I think that it's a very standard story. Uh, it gets to the point, but it's, uh, it's kind of a predictable in how the film, not the ending, but how uh, the story is laid out. It seems like it's pretty, uh, I don't know, I think the film could have done a better job with maybe certain aspects of the screenplay and uh, and not just go by the book in terms of the screenplay. Some of the things that Walter D says, that Jamie Foxx character says, is pretty moving. And uh, But I wish Michael B. Jordan had scenes, uh, just behind scenes of, more conviction and handling of uh, uh, certain def uh, certain things dealing with the prosecution and uh, scenes talk with uh, with Brie Larson's character. I think that she could have been more more fully dimensional. And uh, and I think this, like I was saying earlier, I just think the storytelling should have not been not as basic and to the point. And be more colorful in presentation in terms of direction and writing. Maybe a different narrative uh, function. Maybe different. Maybe J Walter Johnny D uh, McMillan's character being told from all from his point of view. 
a bit more conviction of the story. But other than that, I think it's a very solid film, a great performance by Jamie Foxx. And dealing with the Me Too movement and with uh, George Floyd protests, this film came in at the right time. I think it's a, a very important film. We need more films like this to be represented for the big screen. And unfortunately, we still have a long way to go in terms of race relations. And hopefully with this film, it will make more filmmakers be more, more mindful and aware of the issues of race relations in the criminal justice system and how Americans need to come together as a people instead of thinking the worst of people just because of the color of the skin. And the grade I give Just Mercy is a B plus. And uh, that's it for all my movie reviews. And uh, I'm going to talk about Oscars. So I will be talking about that next. Hi, I'm back. And I'm going to talk about Oscar predictions. Now, I wasn't going to talk about it because I wasn't sure they are going to have the Oscars this year. But I shouldn't be a pessimist. So just in case they do talk about it, I'm going to talk about only Oscar contenders. And I'm going to talk about uh, Best Picture, the top ten uh, who I think has an early lead for being nominated for for Best Film. And uh, I'm going to start with my number one pick to win Best Picture, Mank. The film uh, it was written by David Fincher's father, who has passed away. The film was shot in black and white, directed by David Fincher. And it's about the making of Citizen Kane. There's a lot of buzz on this film. I think... Uh, He'd done television with the House of Cards, David Fincher, another TV show, which name escapes me. But um, it's his first film since Gone Girl six years ago. And uh, Gary Oman plays Herbin Mankiewicz, I believe, who co-wrote, or did he just write the whole script for Citizen Kane? And, uh, and I think that the past work of David Fincher that did well at the Oscars, I believe, with the social network, which many feel, myself included, should have won Best Picture, Best Director, but King's Speech won instead. Um, I think that that has early momentum. I think uh, to reward a film that should have won Citizen Kane all those years ago, I mean, I think people want to reward that film and that performance. And it's a, it's a period piece, which is also a good uh, plus for the film, shot in black and white, and uh, it has the most potential. And But the, the drawback for Mank is uh, it's a Netflix film. Now, no film has won Best Picture as being a Netflix film, which leads me to number two, The Five Bloods. Now, Spike Lee's film, and uh, it's about all the five black men who go to Vietnam to retrieve some gold they left behind uh, those years ago during Vietnam. Delroy Windows in it, Clark Peters, and uh, and uh, it's got really strong reviews. Uh, the Five Bloods got 92% Rotten Tomatoes, 81 Metacritic, and Spike Lee is overdue for uh, missions of not being nominated for Best Director for Do the Right Thing or Malcolm X. And not 
winning Best Director for Black Klansmen. But the, the drawback is, was Spike Lee supporting Woody Allen, defending Woody Allen. Uh, he took back that statement, but will that come back to haunt him? And also, it's also another Netflix film. You have to worry about that. Will it win Best Pictures? It has never happened to a, a streaming service before. No Man Land is number three. Now, the film is directed by Chloe Zio. She's an Asian. Starring Frances McDormand on a on a uh, on a, uh, a trip through a, a, an odyssey behind the wheel. Uh, the director Chloe Zhao does love driving uh, in films, and her last film, The Rider, was that way as well. And it's, she got a lot of critical acclaim for her 2017 film, The Rider. And it's great buzz for the film. It's going to be uh, at the New York Film Festival, uh, but it's going to be streaming. And, but the bias for Norman Land is bias in the Academy against a female director. It's very hard for female directors to get recognized. Uh, and Frances McDormand stars in the film. And it's a personal journey for her riding in a car. It's about a film of self-discovery. That could help her the film as well. You just have to wait and see what happens because it's been a few years since a, a woman's been nominated for Best Director since Lady Bird by Greta Gerwig. Number four uh, is Trial of Chicago Seven. Now this film was a Paramount film, which but it's now at Netflix because he wanted it to be released before the for the election. It has a great cast. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen's in it, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, who else? Let me see. Yeah, uh, Yaha Abdul Mantin the second. He was in a what was that TV show? Uh, Watchmen. Jeremy Strong, Mark Lyons, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Kelvin Harrison Jr., William Hurt, Michael Keaton. And it's written and directed by uh, Aaron Sorkin. The film has been in limbo for so long. At one point, they had Steven Spielberg to direct, but uh, eventually Aaron Sorkin is writing and directing it. And the release date is October 16, 2020. Now, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Abby Hoffman, Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden, Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin, Yaha Abdul-Mantin II as Bobby Seale, Mark Rylance as William Kunstler, Jorson Gopin-Levitt as Richard Schultz, and many others. This film has been talked about for quite some time, and there's a lot of great anticipation for the film. It, the, the story is, um, is uh, a group of seven defendants charged by the federal government with conspiracy inciting to riot. And other charges related to anti-Vietnam War and counterculture protests took place in Chicago, Illinois, on the occasion of the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Now, it's a poli timely political story, which is one of his pluses. And everything that Sorkin does uh, as a writer or director is great for the most part. And but the, the minus of this, this is a male-dominated cast, not a lot of female representation. Netflix bias, I mean, it's another Netflix film. 
Academy pretty slow to nominate a, a film of, of this degree as a, uh, or even winning as a best picture contender. We're dealing with two other films that was making Defy Bloods. Is there, is there too much competition for the same studio with Netflix? We just have to wait and see. Now, The French Dispatch is a Wes Anderson film, and the last film that he did that did well with the critics at the Oscars was uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel. And uh, the plus is people love Wes Anderson. Uh, the last film scored many Oscar nominations. I saw the trailer for The French Dispatch. It's very funny. And uh, let me see about the cast. I know Bill Murray's in it. Jeffrey Wright's a new character. Let me see. Uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro's in it. Let me tell you what the French Dispatch is all about. It's a comedy drama, a screenplay by Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness, and Jason Schwartzman. The film will focus on the French Foreign Bureau of a fictional Kansas newspaper. Adrian Brody is also in it, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, Timmy Chalamet, Monsieur uh, Amarek, I think, Owen Wilson. And uh, Jonathan Houston, Edward Norton, William Dafoe, Sergio Ronan. It's a huge cast. Music by Alexander Despot. It's not a long film, hour and 43 minutes. Um, and it's a, a lot of goodwill behind this film. It has a tremendous cast. There are a lot of great people surrounding it. And... Uh, I think the plus is because Wes Anderson's last film did very well, so he can strike another chord with uh, Wes Anderson with his newest feature. I think the drawback for the French Dispatch is, I think the, the Grand Budapest Hotel is the only film that had real Oscar traction. Moonrise Kingdom only got a screenplay nomination. I favorite from Wes Anderson, The World Tenenbaums, got it's just a screenplay nomination. It's now nominating a great performance by Gene Hackney in that film. Uh, a comedy film bias, even though there's drama in the film as well. Um, so let's see what happens with that film. Number six, News of the World, the pluses of Paul Greenglass. He did Captain Phillips in E993, scored some Oscars with that. It's just anything with, uh, with Tom Hanks' Oscar goal in terms of nominations. Yeah, let's talk about news of the world. And uh, it's about uh, Tom Hanks plays a Southern Texas character who is transforming a kidnapped girl back to uh, her, her mother, played by Meryl Winningham. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good premise. And uh, anything that Tom Hanks has touched turns to gold big time. And uh, I think that the minds of it is competition of other films. Green Glass pe Best Picture nomination was only for Captain Phillips. It is based on, a, on the plus side on a beloved well-known novel. And the film will be released around December, around Christmas, and uh, let's uh, see what happens to that film and with more Oscar buzz.
Yes, and uh, let's talk about number seven. The seventh most popular film for Oscar buzz is On the Rocks, Sofia Coppola, uh, last film about that brought her to the award stage was Lost in Translation, 17 years ago with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. This time, uh, Bill Murray is back, but this time instead of Scarlett Johansson, there's Rashida Jones' place, his daughter. And the plus, I mean, the last time that Bill Murray and Sofia Coppola were together for a film, it garnered many, well, multiple Oscar nominations. Bill Murray, Best Actor, Sofia Coppola, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, Best Picture. She won Best Screenplay. And I think that, I think what also helps uh, uh, her factor for Sofia Coppola is that for diversity, female representation at the Oscars. It would be nice to see maybe Sofia Coppola get another Best Director nomination. She hasn't been nominated since Lost in Translation, even though she's done some pretty good films somewhere. Uh, what's that? Marie Antoinette, The Begal, where she won Best Director at Cannes Film Festival back in 2017. But uh, the minus of this film, uh, about a father-daughter relationship, is that Sofia uh, Coppola's last film uh, that garnered Oscar attention, as I said earlier, was Lost in Translation. So that's the only time she's been recognized by the Academy. Uh, even though she did win Best Director at Cannes, she, the film of the Begal that came out in 2017 at the States didn't garner any Oscar attention or traction. So we have to wait and see what happens with On the Rocks. And Hillbilly Elegy, that's Ron Howard's new film about a, a family of the Appalachian family with Amy Adams and Glenn Close. Now we have have Ron Howard with Oscars in the past, uh, with Frost Nixon, and A Beautiful Mind, which won Best Picture and Best Director. Even though Apollo 13 was nominated for Best Picture, he, Ron Howard was not nominated for Best Director, which is absurd. And another film that I thought Ron Howard should have gotten Oscar's consideration was Parenthood. Uh, it, it did get two Oscar nominations, Best Supporting Actress Diane Weiss and Best Song, I Love to See You Smile. I do, it's probably my favorite Randy Newman song. Uh, but uh, this one has garnered a lot of buzz because of the performances of Amy Adams and Glenn Close. They said both of their performances are great. But the downside is that uh, Ron Howard can be hit and miss. I think the last critically acclaimed film I would say that he did was Rush. I think that was 2013 about a car racing film. He can be do some star and some uh, direct some good films or some not so good films. He's kind of hit and miss recently anyway. And they're not really talking about the film itself, the performances of Amy Adams and Glenn Close, but not about the film or director Ron Howard's directed itself. And uh, going on to the next one, number nine, West Side Story, uh, a remake of the 1961 classic, one of the best musicals of all time. And Steven Spielberg decided to tackle this film. Ansel Elgort is in it, and uh, 
is a diversity factor can help along with the Oscar recognition. And Rita Moreno is back in a different role, written specifically for her in this film. And Steven Spielberg films has always garnered a good Oscar buzz. The Post only got two Oscar nominations, but they were in big categories, Best Picture and Best Actress for Meryl Streep. Bridge of Spies got a Best Picture nomination. Uh, so um, I think the last time he was nominated for Best Director, I believe it was Lincoln. But uh, he is a force to be reckoned with. He is one of our greatest directors of all time. And who's working right now, he is right up there along with Martin Scorsese. So I think that that will give him momentum for the Oscar race just for tackling a remake. But there is the minus. Now, this is a problem that I have with the West Side Story remake. Why, if this is, this is such a great film, why remake it? And we dealt with this last year with Little Women. I mean, we already had the 94 version. Uh, why do we need to do this again? And the Star is Born, the fourth remake. Uh, Beyonce dropped out. There was... Uh, there were certain incarnations for the next Star Was Born with Will Smith, Jennifer Lopez, but uh, they got two white actors playing this role. At least try to do something in terms of, of diversity. But you know, don't get me wrong, I did enjoy the 2018 version of Star Was Born, but did it need to be remade? Uh, no. And um, I don't think we're, why Spielberg tackles a topic uh, of a film that is beloved by so many. Uh, why don't you just do a musical from scratch? And I think In the Heights is supposed to be a musical that's supposed to came out this year, but, but because of the coronavirus, it was postponed, And um, unfortunately. Now, and also the Anson Elbert controversy, uh, some uh, girl accusing him of sexual assault. That publicity has died down uh, for now. When this film comes out, he won't be promoting it, but they're going to be asking a lot of questions. This will come up in the media again. So, and I think it's been died down because the film hasn't been released yet, and we're dealing with the coronavirus and the election and all that, but this will come up again. So, uh, this film, the, the film could be hurt overall with that as well. And uh, the 10th film I'm going to discuss for Best Picture is a Todd McCarthy film. Now, the last time he did a film with Spotlight, won Best Picture. And uh, it's a story about uh, Matt Damon plays a father who tries to release his daughter. Uh, he's a lawyer, and he tries to release his daughter from a jail from a crime that she didn't commit. And uh, it's based on a true story. And, uh, and uh, Matt Damon has done well with the Oscars in the past with Brewer Hunting and The Martian. And uh, so there is good buzz uh, for the film. I think the drawback for Stillwater is a lot of stiff competition. I've talked about nine other films with Oscar, uh, Oscar uh, uh, contentions. Uh, there are nine films ahead of Stillwater. And also, I mean, another white story. <laughs> yeah, um, I the diverse lack of diversity 
representation uh, could hurt the film, and like it was with the the trial of Chicago Seven. Even though there is one black person in that in that uh, film, it's white male dominated, and it's a male dominated vehicle for Matt Damon. His last film was Ford v Ferrari, did very well at the box office, and uh, so. I was going to talk about Oscar Buzz for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. I would do that at a later show in a couple of days. Uh, I'll stop for now. I want to thank everyone for their time and consideration. And uh, y'all, God bless you. Follow me at, at Crazy Amazing Movies. I'll be putting up a review of Hustlers sometime early next week. And you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And my podcast called Coco Cinephile Critic. You can find it on Anchor and Spotify, Google Podcasts. So you have a great weekend. I'll see you soon. I'll see you in a couple of days. God bless.